Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Yeah, and, uh, and taking a look at your website, I was very struck by that because one of the first things I take a look at is, is okay, that's, that's a beautiful piece of clothing. That looks like a 25-year-old female would wear it instead of a 65-year-old female. So mm-hmm. how do you, and, and I, you've, you seem to be going over that hurdle and you seem to be going over it pretty well because when you talk about universal design, so for those listeners, if you look at the liner notes, um, I will have uh, the website for Victoria's company there so you can see for yourself what, what we're discussing right now. And I think that that's a big, that's a big jump. Um, mm-hmm. that's a leap of faith probably for a designer like yourself, because you've been working with some of the big, big places in the UK and I'm sure they've got, this is what, this is the look that we want. And then in three months, we're going to want this look because you've got the seasons. And so now you're going completely to the opposite end of the spectrum and saying, well, I don't care about seasons anymore. I want to design something universal. Was that, was that hard for you to get used to when you started to sit down and start scribbling out these designs or were you just like this is what i'm going to do i don't care about the way we used to do it i'm going to do it this way or was it hard to make that change uh i've i've generally i think initially i found it easy to make that change but now i mean i love the idea of being able to bring out you know two collections a year or i think the industry had got something silly it was you know there was four a year for women's wear and there was four a year for men's wear they've now changed that it's now just three fashion weeks per year um, so in theory, there would be three collections a year. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's still sticking to that. I don't need to be constantly making new, new, new. And I think especially as a startup, you know, and sales, you know, obviously hopefully will in, increase as, as time goes on. But I don't think there's any point in adding to an inventory until you are confident in what you've currently got. 
And I think, you know, I can update everything by simply adding a new color. You know, like I could be, I could be on trend just by using color. So I found it easy because um, it was less stressful as well. Like that constant, the, the idea that you have to constantly churn out new designs, new work all of the time was exhausting. I mean, it was half the reason why I made the decision to go freelance as well was just getting off that sort of treadmill or hamster wheel of constantly new, new, everything has to be new. It's, you know, it's a sort of that, dare I say, it, capitalist mindset that doesn't really work with sustainability and with inclusion. Um, so, yeah, I haven't found that difficult. I think now I feel a bit restrained in not having the finances currently to be able to do more. You know, I really want to get back into outerwear. I'd love to look at shoe design because I think there's only five brands worldwide doing adaptive footwear and they're all trainers so i'm like come on we can we can do it better than just trainers <laughs> um but again you know it's just time and resources um so there's you know and therefore i don't want to overcomplicate things too soon and have a huge stock of inventory that doesn't sell you know it's this is kind of a i don't need to rapidly expand everywhere explode all at the same time saying that I think that's what's going to happen to an hidden in the next couple of years. So it's it's just I'm trying to be a bit more measured and not, you know, sort of not running before I can walk. Now, you, you brought up the point about, um, you know, taking a look at shoes, the shoe market, and there's trainers that are designing them and like we can do more. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a couple minutes here. I would like you to tell any of the fashion designers that are listening to this podcast. I want you to give them a little bit of a pep talk to say, hey, look we can get out and we can manage in adaptive wear. And I'm going to put a little pitch right here. We in the medical field need your help. All right. So Victoria, you pitch to your fellow designers to get out there because you're, you are completely right. You need, we need help. So what can you do? What can you say right now to your fellow fashion designers around the world? Goodness. Well, I mean, if we if we put aside the human rights side to adaptive design and the fact that being able to get dressed should be a basic human right and people should be designing this way. There's financial incentive. I think the purple pound, which is the spending power of the disabled community, is estimated to be worth eight trillion dollars globally. That's not a small market. That's massive. I think. And like I said, it's one in four people in the US and one in five in the UK. It's up to 22% of the global population have a disability and they have spending power. And, you know, they shop with, you know, they, they're loyal. They're so rarely targeted. You know, I mean, I think in this time of trying to scale things back whilst also somehow increase sales, how dare you continue to ignore this huge market? Like it's massive. Why, you know, can brands really afford to not include the disabled and chronic sick community anymore? And it's as easy as throwing in an extra zip on a shoe so that people, rather than tying laces, if they can't tie laces, put a zip on there, they can slide their foot in. Easy. Done. And you've suddenly you've got a huge amount of more loyal customers that will come back to you time and time again because you thought about them. It's as easy as that. An extra zip, bit of elastic. It doesn't have to be a full-blown pattern. But once you've done it, you can do it and build on it and like the company will be better for it. It will be more profitable and everyone around you will feel better for it. Thank you for the pitch. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Somebody's got to do that. Uh, and I really feel very strongly about that. Victoria and I were talking before uh, we started here on the podcast that um, 
it's it's really long overdue and we we joke a lot about um you know the the gowns that we use in the medical profession or you know 18th century um although we're probably not joking about that it's probably true I think I remember seeing pictures of 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 uh, cadavers and gowns, you know, these these drawings of you know, the people, you know, actually doing anatomy on, on dead people, and they've got these gowns on, and which I always thought was kind of funny, but they, you know, they, there was some a sense of modesty for the cadaver while all these people are watching you, you know, dissect and, and all. So, but really, I think it's it even goes back further than, than the 18th century. So I really wanted to get that out because I have talked with other designers here on the podcast, and they they feel the same way, and and that. I think there needs to be more, a lot more of that. And, and you're right. There's a huge market out there. And when I see the, the, the struggles my patients have, and I'm saying there's a lot more out there than that, a lot more. And anytime you go into a doctor's office, there's probably not just two or three people sitting there. There's probably loads of people sitting there. How many of those people have trouble getting their shoes on or their shirt or their pants? Okay. Mm-hmm. So that alone can be just looking at that. So it, it is a huge market. Yeah. What are, what are some of the challenges that, that you're that you see right now in your business in w- what you had described a little bit earlier about wanting to branch out in lots of different directions? What directions do you see yourself realistically branching out into in the next couple of years? Because you've got a lot of ideas. Yes, well, I do have a lot of ideas, and I thankfully have a lot of um, collaborations coming up, which includes retail space, um, working with Paralympians, and a licensing deal that goes hand in hand with the kids' wear. So there's a lot happening. Um, I think that I mean the challenges that are still there is I mean this is actually this would be interesting for you to hear because you might not have heard this. Facebook, in their infinite wisdom, uh, made the disabled and chronic sick community a protected category as of January first this year which means I cannot target them for marketing. Mm. So that's quite a big challenge. That's not ideal. And there's a lot of that actually using accessible hashtags, which is called camel casing. If I use those, it reduces my reach on Instagram and Facebook. So that's a challenge. Um, And I think the other, the biggest challenge is people are still deathly afraid of disability, talking about disability, inclusion. I think people don't know enough about it. They don't see us because we're not represented in media. So they don't realise how many of us there are. And I think that people don't see also, I mean, there's there's a thing called like situational and temporary disability. So like a situational disability, as an example, if you're in a really loud nightclub and you can't hear what anyone's saying, you in that instance, you are situationally deaf. And then you think about um, temporary if you're a parent of a newborn and you can't put the baby down, you've suddenly only got one arm to work with. How are you going to get your chores done? How are you going to get dressed? How are you going to dress that child or other children around you without putting the baby down? You know, it's the it's not just about actually really about the disabled community. It's about everybody. Um, so I think the the barrier or the challenge has been getting people on board with that message and not seeing disability as a big pity party i think that's the problem you know it's it's why i try to use you know obviously use younger um models because we don't see younger people with disabilities we kind of just assume that you know well i mean we literally segregate them we send them to different schools or homeschool them so they don't get to experience life the same way and some of that even comes down to because they cannot get dressed you know i know people that haven't been able to go for job interviews because all they can wear is jogging bottoms um so yeah, so I think the the challenges is still disability is still like really it's like the last taboo. You know, we've done. I feel like well, we haven't done. We've started finally addressing racism. Uh, you know, there's still ageism we're aware of. 
LGBTQ, you know, like that gets a lot of attention. And actually, interestingly, it's a depressing fact, but it's true. Um, the LGBTQ community, 40% of them are disabled. So people that think, you know, they've done really great work, including the LGBTQ community, they kind of left out almost half of them, though, because they don't talk about disability. You know, it's, it's all this intersectionality that we don't see because we, we remove the disabled bit, you know, like Black Lives Matter. Of course they do. So do Black Disabled Lives. And people sort of think that they've done enough just to include black people or, you know, I never know the right terms. I know Bane's not right. BIPOC's not great. I can't, you know, we're all going to get it wrong. I think that's the other thing as well, is people are so scared of getting it wrong. They just say nothing at all. And I think that that's kind of what we need to change. And I think people should get excited about inclusion because it is funny. It is creative. I mean, you know, sort of if you tell a design student, right, I want you to design a pair of trousers, but you're not allowed to stand up because you can't okay now imagine you can't use your hand how are they going to get into those um what if somebody else was dressing you what else would you need to put into that garment so that it would help and you know once you start putting the obstacles in but then you're like problem solving it's really fun like it's more you know trousers are trousers are trousers we're not reinventing the wheel here we're just <laughs> making you know we've you know you could design a pair of trousers in a new high-tech fabric that's got you know massive tags and all sorts of things on it who's that really helping and is that really necessary in this time of climate change you know i think there's a lot of room to be said for pairing it back but being smarter about how we design mm -hmm. well said um and, and back to your point about putting putting a challenge out to designers a couple of years ago i was uh, teaching a design class design applications and the very first design i asked them to do i said i want you to design a medical wearable and every one of the students in the classroom, they just, they looked at me like I just stole their cars. Like what? <laughs> I said, I'm going to work with you on this. I said, I want you to be aware of the market for me just medical wearables, period. And at the end of the semester, they survived and they all did very well. So you're right. We have to put the challenge out. The challenge needs to go out because, like you said, there's a vast majority of this world's population has some sort of, and I'll use the term because it's, again, different terms, different people, but I'll use the blanket term disability. And we need to, we really need to reach out to, the, to them so that we can make them, they can become more accessible to us as a community. They can get out there. They can start taking part in community activities. They can get to church. They can hop out in their community if they want to join a club. Uh, if they want to just get out and start walking, maybe they're going to feel better wearing nicer clothes and they'll start walking and their back pain will get less, whatever it might be, just psychologically feeling better. So I think that's a really good point of, in you saying challenging designers to design for if you only have use of one hand or you can't use one arm or whatever. I think that's a really good point. And I know if, the, if a lot of designers look like my students did then, um, you know, maybe they need a brick to fall on their head to really yeah. get them to wake up for that because it, it, it needs to be done. And I'm sure my students probably thought this guy's crazy. What, what is he? But in reality, when they got done, they did a beautiful job on it. And um, so I think designers need to just stop and listen to you and say, let's do it. Let, we may surprise yourself at what a nice job that you end up doing. And I think that's, it's like you said, it's been long overdue. Well, my final question that I ask all my very special guests, where do you see this particular sector? And I'm going to use the term wearables because this is a wearable podcast, uh, but it indeed is a wearable. Uh, but where do you see this sector that you're in in adaptive fashion in five years? 
well, I hope um, that we actually speed up, you know, if we look at the trajectory of maybe plus size fashion, which is a sort of a phrase or a category that shouldn't exist, it's just sizing. But if we look at how long that took for people to adopt, accept, start to include, um, you know, I would like to hope that adaptive fashion or wearables isn't 10 years behind that. Um, it certainly feels like it <laughs> at the moment. Um, so I think the I think the uptake is going to be a lot faster, I think. or I, I mean, I hope that it will be a lot faster because, you know, people have been thinking and talking about um, fashion in these terms for a decade. You know, uh, I'm a brand ambassador for Models of Diversity. They've been going for 11 years. You know, it's not, uh, that's not new, obviously. There's people who are doing it even longer. But it's not new that this need has existed. Um, so I really hope that it, it sort of picks up. And I think it's going to be a domino effect. I think as soon as, you know, that one, I don't want to say big fashion brand because Tommy Hilfiger does adaptive clothing. No, he doesn't talk about it, doesn't advertise it, but he does it. Uh, so I think it's going to take somebody other than Tommy or for Tommy, if you're listening, to actually um, advertise that you do adaptive clothing. Um, I think it's going to take a few high street retailers in the UK, but I think once one it's going to be awful. I have a feeling fast fashion brands will probably do it first. And then if they do, if one does it, they'll all do it. And I think that's, I mean, I hope that happens from high fashion and all the way down to high street and, you know, affordable brands. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see who does it first, but I think it's, it's coming. Um, and I hope it just becomes normal. You know, I don't really want, I, you know, this is why I design universally. I want anyone to shop for me. I don't want to other this community so they can they have to go to a specific shop for just them i think what they need should be right out where everybody else goes they should be able to shop in the same places just like we all you know just like everybody wants to i think that should be the the norm um so i hope that happens in five years time i think that might be a bit soon for that to be so normalized because the amount of work um that still needs to be done but i'm going to err on the side of optimism and say that hopefully it will be it will be, there won't be any more of these, it's the first, or this is the first brand to do this, first brand to do that. Hopefully that stops in the next five years. So do I, because it needs, yeah. it needed to be done a hundred years ago, if not even sooner yes. than that. Uh, it's exactly. way, way Because I really wanted to talk about this because I have abdominal problems. So all of the stuff that I have to expose myself for or on my stomach, but yet I have to wear a gown that goes on the front with my, you know, with my behind that absolutely no sense. So I still have to lift it up. So why bother with it? You know, it's honestly, every time I go in and they're like, put it on no front facing, I'm like, but you've got to look at my stomach. Why am I here with a gown where you'll see my back when you've got to look at my tummy? It's ridiculous. And yes, it does need a massive update. Well, in that case, Victoria, when next time you have to put a gown on, just put it on with the, the front and the back and the ties in the front. Because if I have to look at the, what we call the anterior, okay, the front portion of the body, yeah. I ask them to put the gown on backwards and they don't have any trouble doing that. And I tell them, I want you to put on backwards. Cause I have to take a look at, I have to take a look <laughs> at the shoulder. I have to take a look at the hips, whatever it is. That's what I have them do. So if I got to take a look, that's what I do. So they shouldn't take a funny look at you because I have my patients do that. So uh, that's not far-fetched. That's just, that's practical until they can get something that's actually normal clothing. You have yeah. to do that to be able to yeah. do that. Well, I want to thank you again for taking time out of your busy day. Uh, to be on the podcast and the inspiration that um, you can be for other designers out there, because we definitely, if we've been talking, we definitely need more of that. And it needs to be, 
it needs to be accessible and it needs to be, like you said, everywhere. You go in to yeah. buy some clothes or whatever the store might be, you want to be able to buy clothes if you're going in a wheelchair or if you yeah. have a colostomy or if you have the inability to lift your arm up to put a jacket on. You've got to be able to find those clothes readily and why not in regular stores, yeah. you know, whatever, exactly. wherever country you might be in uh, to do that. So I want you to keep me up to date too. And anything else that starts to come out in your line, please uh, drop me an email and let me know. And um, as that starts to progress, I'd like to have you back on the show again so you can let the world know what you are doing with nice. adaptive fashion. And uh, because, again, the world needs to know that. People need to know so they can start to put the push. The more push there is on manufacturers and designers and clothing companies, the sooner things are going to happen. So if we can get the ball rolling, that's exactly what we need. So again, I want to thank you for taking the time out and uh, wish you nothing but success for your company. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to be here. Thank you. Okay. All right, you take care and have a good rest of your day. I will. You too. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties. Pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well.